Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world. With your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we have Megan Stevens of EatBeautiful.net. Megan, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Amy. It's my privilege. So happy to have you. So um, I have loved your website for a really long time. You guys do some amazing, beautiful, delicious gut healing recipes. Um, It is really something to see what you've been able to create with gut healthy um, ingredients. Thank you. Well, I think part of that is my love for food. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We unite in that. Yeah, it's hard to be complacent and eat eat dull things when you love things that are delicious. Exactly. And and it kind of came about as a a necessity for you. Is that right? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, We were pretty bad off as far as our health issues and needed to implement a grain-free, sugar-free diet um, or a refined sugar-free diet. And so, yeah, we, we gradually became very good at making our foods delicious. In the beginning, it wasn't, you know, just a sure thing. It was a, sure. it was a process, but um, we did. We, we really learned how to make our food beautiful, and now we really don't feel like we're wanting for anything. Good, and that's what helps you stick with it. If you've got food that's delicious and and uh, and it, you know kind of recreates the favorites that you used to love, that really helps keep you you know on that gut healing diet and not really eating things that are gonna gonna make you sick. Absolutely. So um, so tell me a little bit about what brought you to needing to change your diet to this gut healing. Sure. Well, um, I guess. Probably back in college, I started having health adversities, so I got my first autoimmune disease, which was sarcoidosis, and okay. and then after having each of my babies, my health continued to deteriorate. I continued mm-hmm. to get um, new autoimmune diseases. Um, I got a bladder disease called interstitial cystitis, um, and mm-hmm. then each of my kids was born with pretty significant food intolerances, so um, my daughter, that was a real that was probably the hardest transition was the first kiddo and I was breastfeeding and had to eliminate a lot of foods. And I remember, yeah, I just remember crying over my bowl of cereal with blackberries. Like (laughs) I can only eat this, you know, and I had no no idea what the future held and just how much more bleak it would get. (laughs) So it's good for me to remember that because when I walk and help walk through and help other people in their process, Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in a place now where my diet is just fantastic and I love it, but you really can't jump from point A to point Z right. overnight. It is a huge transition and letting go of basics or, that seem like necessities, um, it really takes time and, and guidance. So, yes. yeah, so, and then by the time I'd had my third baby, I I got Hashimoto's and we had started um, already doing Weston A. Price, um, actually a gluten-free version of Weston A. Price, so we were... Um, soaking and sprouting all of our grains and making gluten-free sourdough and doing a lot of good things. Um, But Mm -hmm. it was when I heard about the GAPS diet that I realized we really needed to go grain-free and refined sugar-free if we were going to turn around all of the health adversities that we'd gotten ourselves into Um, or, you know, that my kids had inherited (laughs) free of choice. So. Oh, yeah. So the whole family, I mean, that's really something. Yeah. Now, my husband's one of those guys who just seems like he's in optimum health. He's always been able to have a beer and a burger and pizza, whatever he wants. But he's also been very gracious. Um, as I've learned and, and enjoyed nutrition, he's kind of come on the journey with me. Um, so he actually did a lot of gaps with us. I think, you know, during the days if he was at work, he would have um, – more standard American food, but sort of healthy variations of Mm -hmm. it. But yeah, when we were at home together, I think one of the keys to our success is that we definitely cleaned out the fridge and the pantry and he didn't have, you know, cookies or chips or, you know, things around that were tempting for the rest of us. We were all in it together. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's so important. It really, it really is, I think, a huge key to success. I do meet with people occasionally who say, yeah, just my daughter and I are going to go on the diet and, 
I think, oh, gosh, that's going to be really hard on both of you because you're going to have to yeah. look at those other foods all the time. All the time. And it's like you have that moment of stress or weakness or whatever, and it's right there, easy to grab or, yeah, absolutely. I, I have clients that, that say the very same thing, and I'm like, really, we need to do a full, you know, fridge, pantry clean out. If you have good food in the house, you're going to eat good food. Mm-hmm, exactly. And I think that is one of the toughest things about the GAPS diet, the AIP diet, some of the more intense healing diets is what do I eat? You know, especially when you're just hungry right now and you don't have time to, you know, cook up a steak and saute kale or whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's like on a snack, you kind of have to have those other um, harder to digest snack foods out of the house. So you create alternatives Exactly. Well, and that's really what you've excelled at. I mean, obviously with three kids, you know, busy family, you guys also, you have a a paleo, um, AIP friendly, um, vanilla jills, scoops and soups, correct? Yes. Scoops and soups. Yes. That sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. So it is great. So it's funny, but you know, dessert is kind of the way to our hearts for my, for many yeah. of us. It's the way to contentment. And for, ironically, for us, I think it was actually the key to us succeeding on our GAPS diet is oh. is giving ourselves those alternatives in the beginning, possibly in greater, not possibly, definitely in greater um, quantity than we ended up eating like at this point in our diet. Uh-huh. Um, and uh-huh. so the whole concept of scoops and soups is, you know, the most important healing foods there are bone broth and bone broth soups. But we're also an ice cream shop. And we also make paleo baked goods. Um, and that's because, let's face it, we all have sweet tooths. And if people are trying to get over pathogen overgrowth or if they have yeah. any kind of health battles they're dealing with, I'm sorry to say, but the sweet tooth is often the last thing to go. So if a person can get a bowl of soup and they can also get a honey-sweetened grass-fed ice cream or coconut milk-based mm-hmm. ice cream, it's going to make that journey and that process that much more palatable. Right. Yeah. They can stick with it. Yeah. They can do it. Yeah. And then over time, you know, the sugar cravings do go away and you can back off. You can still have treats, but just not as often. Um, so, yeah. So the bone broth soup is still there when you you decide to get a mini of ice cream instead of a smaller or medium. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> instead of I'm here every day for the biggest ice cream that you offer. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And, this- well, and I've seen that you do some really amazing um flavor combination. Oh, yeah. We really have fun with that. I can't help it, actually. That's how I've always cooked. Um, That's how my mom cooked. We just, you know, cook on a whim, cook on whatever's in our fridge is what inspires us. And so the same Mm -hmm. holds true for ice cream. So in the summer, we do like heirloom tomato peach ice cream, or I did a cantaloupe sea salt recently on my blog. And that one just came out organically one morning. And that's that's how a lot of our flavors go. If I'm going through a stage where I'm passionate about tahini, then I'll make a halva ice cream. So yeah, just a lot of fun variety. Absolutely. Well, and again, that keeps people interested because, you know, you've got the same sort of base ingredients, the nourishing, you know, coconut milk or whatever works for them. Um, But then you've got these new flavors, new spices, like, that's really exciting and it keeps you with the seasons. Yes, it's so true. And it's just fun to be able to get excited about food. And like yes. you said, to tie them into the seasons. Absolutely. Well, and now you live in um, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Great. And you guys have access to a lot of fun farms and, and you've got really nice seasons there. We do. The Willamette Valley is an excellent area for growing. So it's just an amazing Um, region for the variety of crops that grow well here. Um, So yeah, the farmer's markets are amazing. And then I think for me, like an area that I'm really proud of for Eugene, Oregon is the number of good meat farms we have where we have grass-fed meat provided. Oh, awesome. Really lovely options. And that's one thing we take a lot of pride in in our cafe as well as, you know, how we eat at home. But it is wonderful to be able to access pasture-raised pork that's finished on hazelnuts and, you know, obviously grass-fed beef and pastured chicken. So rabbits, all those good things are all available to us here. And it's lovely to, you know, know those farmers through our cafe. Exactly. Oh, and that's amazing. I mean, what a gift to be able to offer that to the community and for people that are transitioning to be able to come pick up food that they know is going to be healthy for them and and that they don't have to cook in their kitchen. Yes, it's true, because that's another thing like you, like we were discussing, that a lot of times on these type of diets, even if someone isn't on a healing diet, but they're choosing Weston A. Price or Paleo, 
you know, you just don't always have time to cook something that nourishing. And, right. and so, you know, I remember maybe, what, 15 years ago, we would stop by Burrito Amigos or Burrito Boy on the way home and get wet burritos. It's like, it's been a long time since I did anything like that. But That's you, a whole other lifetime. Right, <laughs> but you still have that same need in you. Like, what can we stop and get on the way home? And I right. think without vanilla gels in our city, a lot of people, there just wouldn't be an answer. Um, so, no. yeah, to be able to pick up a nourishing soup is, or a stew, it answers that question. Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's so amazing. I love it. Um, when, when we were on a real food road trip, we're uh, currently in L.A., but when we're up in Oregon, uh, we unfortunately missed Eugene, but I'm telling you, it is on the map nice, now. I'm nice. I'm coming to eat there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, lovely. It is a special spot. It definitely is. Great, great. Well, and you've got all kinds of recipes on your website Mm -hmm. on eatbeautiful.net, but you have also put together an amazing and absolutely, if I can just tell you, absolutely gorgeous cookbook. Thank you. um, With all these foods, you know, I know that you guys are all about feasting Mm -hmm. and thriving, you know, and I love that. I love that energy around a healing diet because it can feel really restrictive. GAPS, AIP feels really restrictive for a lot of people. Right. Right. And so we shift the emphasis and instead of feeling deprived and like there are a lot of things you can't have, you really emphasize the things you can have. Um, And I I think, you know, we talked briefly about the farmer's market, but that can be the first source of inspiration for a lot of people um, because produce items are abundant there. They're local. So they're, you know, high in nutrition. So to walk around a farmer's market and to be able to pick up fresh basil and locally grown Mm. peas, and if you can have nightshades, a beautiful vine ripened tomato, and just walk around and be inspired by all the gorgeous grapes and figs and plums and carrots just even the basics like carrots and lettuce that night when you go home and make dinner your table is going to be beautiful and and that's really what we're shooting for and even with children to be able to impart that beauty to them visually so that instead of wanting to grab you know a granola bar and tear open the package or whatever or yeah, a roll-up of some kind, they're looking at this table that's overflowing with olives and cheese and lettuce mm, and, you know, all these colors. Juice. Yeah, yeah, everything's alive and exciting, and all they want to do is reach out and grab these things and, you know, put them in their mouth. So, yeah, that's how we eat at home, um, and that's definitely the the spirit behind the cookbook as well. Yeah, that's amazing, and that's a really good point and really good tip about the farmer's market, you know, for people to get out there, you know, as one of the first steps, they're looking to change their diet, they're looking to add more produce and organics, you know, go to the farmer's market, see what's even there. There's vegetables and fruits that people have never even heard of or seen. Yes, it's so true. It's so inspiring. I just went this last Saturday. I went early. I don't really like the crowds, so mm-hmm. I went early at like 830 when you really couldn't even tell if the booths were open yet because the vendors right. were still placing things out. And, oh, my goodness, yeah. I mean, even if you've been there before, it's, it never ceases to be magical. No, it's a different experience Yeah, every and, time. And fall is actually a lovely time to go because you've got all the late summer produce as well as all the fall pro- produce. Um, yeah. So, yeah, very magical. A really good mix. Yeah. And, you know, we go all over the country. Everywhere we go, we go and find the farmer's markets. And it is a different experience every time. I mean, I am always floored by the heirloom lettuces. And, I mean, just like you said, carrots. Like, we're so used to seeing carrots at the grocery store. They look so different. And they taste so different. Yes. Yes. They really do. Yeah, you have to be careful not to spoil your kids on the good carrots because then if you have to grab a bag of carrots from the market. They're like, what are these? Even if they're organic, they're going to be a little more bitter. Yeah. It's quite, even the texture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally different. Well, and that's really a good tip, too, about the kids, you know, getting them involved. And, you know, we always talk about if if you want your kids to eat more vegetables, you know, have them go out and, you know, help you plant a garden, even a Mm -hmm. small garden box if you live in the city, you know, get them involved. Um, So going to a market and them getting to pick out what they'd like to see on the dinner table that night or that week, you know, gets them really excited. They feel like they've contributed. It's a special treat. Um, And then they're going to be a lot more excited about eating that. Definitely. Yes. And I mean, 
what grows well on your own your property you know for us it's grapes so we have mm-hmm. grapes growing everywhere and the kids run oh, out nice. of the car and they run right into the grapevines and you know I've lost them for 10 or 15 minutes I come inside <laughs> and they're just gone they're Next under time. the grapes right <laughs> and you know so that's lovely they're not wanting some kind of factory made food they're out there feasting on nature's bounty Exactly. And, you know, we talk a lot about the essential elements, the balance, like there's so much more than just food. You know, when they're out there, they're connecting with nature, they're out in the fresh air, the sunshine, they're getting movement. Mm -hmm. Like it's a lot together. It's not just sit in front of the TV and have a snack. Exactly. Absolutely. They're going to surprise you. I mean, the stories I get, you know, the bugs they dissect, who knows what, the sticks they find. (laughs) It's It's a whole experiment out there. That's right. Yeah. Good. So you guys have really overcome so many challenges and and just created these incredible, incredible recipes. I'm going through your cookbook right now. I'm looking at it. And it's just, I mean, cookies and snickerdoodles and pies and savory things. And I love the um, the scuffins. Oh, nice. (laughs) The scone muffins. Yes. it's just a bounty of all kinds of good grain-free goodness. Yes. So, yeah, that was definitely a key for us, and it continues to be. Um, and, you know, I could easily say, especially for my kids, but when I think about it very much for myself as well, that when you're mm-hmm. having to finally lay aside all of those former favorite foods, a lot of them are bread-based. A lot of them are bakery-type items, yes. you know, or chips in a bag, whatever. But they're, they're carbohydrates. They're often things that are sweet. And when you start introducing a a lot of savory foods on a plate or a lot of soups and stews, there is kind of a hole left in your heart. You want something mm-hmm. that's, that's, quote, a treat. Um, and so that's why my cookbook is primarily treats. Even though it's healing, the focus is healing the body, and we can't, you know, subsist wholly on treats, especially if we want to heal. Um, we need treats that are better. We need alternatives so we can completely lay aside, you know, the banana bread muffins we used to love or the chocolate chip cookies that are everyone's favorites. We need new chocolate chip cookies, new banana bread um, that digest beautifully. And that's why this cookbook is even good for people who aren't on healing diets, just people who want, you know, a brownie sweetened with maple syrup instead of Mm -hmm. lots of sugar. Um, So it provides alternatives and inspiration so that, when you're on that healing diet, you don't feel like you're deprived or starving or sad. Right, exactly. And, you know, special events are always such a huge thing. Family dinners. and You know, sometimes people think, oh, it's only the birthday and that's going to come around once a year. But it really is like every month has some kind of holiday or gathering almost that – you know, is going to revolve around food. It's so true. And those are some of my favorite emails to get actually from readers that say, I made your carrot cake and I brought it to this family gathering and it was all gone and nobody even knew it was paleo. And it's <laughs> no, like, no, you know, yeah, those are definitely successful moments for everybody. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, people think it's going to be like dry and have no taste and whatever. And it's such the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things are bursting with flavor and nutrition. And that actually makes it taste more satisfying because you're um, getting the nutrition that you need. I love that point. I think that's key. I I know before I was completely addicted to sugar. And when I was sitting next to someone at a dinner table or party and they would say to the person serving the cake, oh, just give me a small piece. I would look Mm. at them like, what? Like, you know, I always (laughs) wanted the biggest piece because it wasn't satisfying. And now it's exactly the opposite. If I have my muffin or my cookie or whatever with something else that's nutrient dense as well, or with a glass of raw milk, I'm just a happy camper. I don't need to eat them all day long. Right. Because your body knows, like, okay, I've just gotten all these nutrients as opposed to this really empty, packaged, processed, you know, uh, muffin or cookie or whatever that's just, it's just sugar. It's not going to do anything good. Sugar and chemicals, really. Yep, exactly. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. So if you had to pick, do you have a favorite in the book? I mean, I know it's a book uh, probably of all your favorites. Right. Do you have something that really stands out? Yeah, I guess there are two things. One is the carrot cake that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, and the other is the chocolate cake with the chocolate ganache frosting. Oh, my gosh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hardcore when it comes to chocolate. And, you know, I like it dark. I like it moist. So, yeah, yeah. those are my two. I could just stand at the counter and eat, you know, eat the cake with eat the that. fork. Yeah. That's Matt. That is totally Matt. Is that he is right? my chocolate husband, yes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's funny when we go out, I'm usually the one getting, you know, the vanilla and he's usually the one getting the chocolate. So um, I noticed, too, that you have a lot of different chocolate chip cookie recipes in here. Yes. So it's kind of something for everyone. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that that was my approach with most of the recipes. For instance, there are always recipes, you know, variations like a dairy-free, nut-free, seed-free, egg-free, that kind of thing. So, yeah, with the chocolate chip cookies, there's a nut-free one, um, there's an egg-free one, there's one that's vegan. Um, so lots of different variety based on different nutritional needs and different diets. Awesome. And I also – so oh, sorry. Um, I would just add, too, that I think one thing that sets the cookbook apart that I really appreciate about it is that there aren't any – um, almond flour or almond butter recipes, which I think is really unusual in the paleo baking community. Um, it is. I noticed that you said that. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, that those are great. Those are great recipes. And I feel like there was a time and a place for them. And there perhaps always will be in moderation. But yes. but almonds are high in omega-6s. And, um, you know, if they're not sprouted, they're hard to digest. Yeah. And so it wasn't like I set out to create a cookbook without those things, but the cookbook is really a reflection of how we eat in our home and how we bake in the cafe. And for me, I felt a real conscience about not inundating our bodies with almonds. Um, yeah. And so I did. I created a new baking technique. Um, and a lot of the recipes, probably two-thirds in the entire cookbook, are based on that ba baking technique of soaking and sprouting nuts. Um, the whole process takes about five minutes. They don't get dehydrated. Um, and so it's a really moist alternative to using um, any of the almond flour products. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, yeah. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. that? I'd love to know. I know it's kind of a, a little hush-hush secret, but if you can share it with our listeners, I'm sure they would absolutely love to know about it. Yeah, I know. I would love to. So, um, well... For any of us who have been in sort of trying to do healing foods for a while, soaking and sprouting are important concepts. Um, Absolutely. And so I, I learned that concept from the Weston A. Price community, um, yes. from their teaching and from nourishing traditions. And then, again, um, through the GAPS book done by Dr. Mm -hmm. Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride and in her cookbook. Um, Fabulous, yes. Yeah. So she has one cake in her cookbook that it's a seed cake. It's made from sunflower seeds. And... The process is simply to soak the sunflower seeds overnight in salt water. So the same way you would do with any kind of a soaked, sprouted, what we call, crisp, mm -hmm. you know, crispy or awakened. Crispy nut. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Same process. Um, in the morning when you rinse the salt water off of the nuts or seeds, um, with most recipes you would then take the nuts or seeds and dehydrate them. And yeah. we're, you know, reducing antinutrients, the phytates and the enzyme inhibitors by doing all of this so that the body can digest the food more easily um, and we exactly. absorb the nutrients. Yeah. Um, but the one thing she did differently in this process was she rinses off her nuts in the morning and then instead of dehydrating them in this recipe, she actually just uses them wet. So she puts them in the wow. blender or a food processor um, and purees them into her batter. Um, and, you know, she, this is sort of like subtle. It's one recipe among 50 and she doesn't point to it and say, hey, cool, this is a neat technique. But right. when we made this bread, when we made this cake, we noticed that it was different. It was moisture. A big difference. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we've, we've been using coconut flour, um, which sure. if, if you use too much, it dries things out. And Very we dry, this, definitely. Yeah. And this method with the soaked sunflower seeds, it was moist like a banana bread is. It just had a lovely yeah. texture. And so I pretty much spent three years um, capitalizing <laughs> on that concept. And so um, I've done it with all the different nuts and seeds, you know, walnuts, pine nuts. Um, I, de I definitely have found different patterns, obviously, like macadamia nuts and pine nuts are going to create more of a white flower texture and look. Walnuts are absolutely fantastic. Um, but I've made, you know, scones, cookies, muffins, um, cakes, all kinds of different things using this method of just soaking the nuts or seeds overnight in salt water, rinsing them off in the morning, and then putting them directly into my blender with, wow. you know, your fat, your sweetener eggs possibly and then you it's so fast that's the other wow it's so that's so easy yeah you're just making a smoothie basically the batter's like a smoothie um and you know you can make thick thick ones like my scone recipes you do it in a food processor so you end up more with a dough um uh -huh. so it's very versatile as well wow that's so easy it's so much um 
faster because yeah, we do we do the crispy nuts of course, mm-hmm. and so soaking dehydrating I mean, takes hours and hours, and um, and then you've got to grind them up after that. So I, you know, what's funny? I'm a gaps practitioner, and I don't even remember that recipe. Right. So like you said, it's very subtle. Right, exactly. That's amazing. Well, it totally makes sense that that would be a lot more moist and exactly. Wow. Yeah, because if you start with a moist flour instead of, I mean, a, a moist batter instead of adding a dry flour in, even yeah. after you bake it, you're going to maintain that same moistness. Right, and mixing it up in the in the blender is going to give you such a smoother consistency. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, it's all very fast wow. and easy. Oh, my gosh. I love it. That's a huge tip, listeners. That's amazing. Good. So glad. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to be doing some experimenting. Yeah. The other thing, and this is pretty much implied, but being able to use whole nuts instead of a flour, you know, just measuring whole nuts is great. It is great. And then, you know, the almond meal thing, it is really tricky because it's very hard to find clean almonds. Yep. So true. You know, yep, absolutely. yeah, omega six aside, you know, all of that, like, even if you can tolerate them, even if it's occasional, like, it's still really hard to source really clean raw almonds. That's exactly right. If they're coming from California, they're not raw. They've been pasteurized. They're not raw. Yep. Absolutely. And they're called raw, but exactly. they're not raw. Yep. Yeah, so we do get a small amount for our cafe, and we, we get those from Italy, actually, raw organic almonds from Italy. Oh, wow. So that's, that's part of why we've cut down on it so much. It's like, obviously, the fossil fuels, that's not ideal. Um, right. So unless someone can source almonds from a local farm, um, you know, and buy them directly from the farmer, you really can't find raw almonds. Wow. That's amazing. It's so crazy, too, because everybody thinks, oh, they're raw. They're labeled raw, and that's how they're sold in the store. Right, right. And they're not truly. Right, and they're most likely rancid as well because they're not shelf-stable. Yeah, right, with those omega-6s. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's something. Well, this is just amazing. And I, like I said, I'm just looking through your cookbook, and I'm just drooling. I mean, just absolutely everything in here. And sandwich bread, that panini loaf looks insane. Thanks. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> I think that's probably the most sought-after recipe because we serve the paleo sandwiches in our cafe. And so wow. definitely a lot of customers saying, when is your cookbook going to be out, you know, like a year ago? <laughs> I want that panini recipe. I need that. Yes. Well, you know, it is true. I mean, it's so hard to, you know, I mean, we work with a lot of clients that are just starting and just going gluten-free, like gluten-free. Mm-hmm. And so just that transition, but going grain-free is a totally different animal. Yes. And you you do miss um, the breads and, and actually not just the taste, not just but the convenience of being able to like make a sandwich. I mean, yes. we do roll-ups all the time. You know, I'll take some ham and cheese or we'll do, um, you know, tuna salad and put it on lettuce leaves or, you know, anything like that right. where you can have roll-ups. But just the convenience of sticking a sandwich in a Ziploc bag or a wax bag when you're going on a trip. Yes. And the pleasure too of biting into a good sandwich and having the texture be just right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. My kids are still just suckers. They just think, you know, they've died and gone to heaven the days I make them those kinds of sandwiches (laughs) on the panini bread. Oh, I bet. Yeah. You can make a batch and have, you know, nine or 12 Panini, panini rolls, you can slice them in half before you put them in your freezer the same way you would with a bagel, and then just quickly pop them open with a little turn of a knife. They just pop right open and fill them with prosciutto and brie and lettuce or, you know, mm. even peanut butter and jelly. But, yeah, the texture right. of that bread is it's lovely. It's very yeast-like. The chia seeds are the magic in that recipe. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. They have that spring to them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Wow. Well, that one is on my list for sure to make. And, you know, as we're traveling, like I do have a pretty good kitchen, but, you know, the being able to make things in blenders and food processors, that's like really fast and easy. I don't have to pull out all different kinds of bowls and, exactly. you know, yeah, knead for hours. And 
Exactly. And <laughs> Not even... that I really ever did that anyway. But... <laughs> right. Occasionally, maybe. Occasionally, yeah. Yeah. Even like with former baking, that's the thing about grain-free baking that I don't think any of us realize before we get into it is that it's actually easier than, you know, I used yeah. to make wedding cakes, for instance. And I think about the different bowls, you know, sifting the dry ingredients and creaming the wet ingredients and gradually adding, you know, them to each other. Oh my God. But now to be able to do it literally all in the blender, even the baking soda can be incorporated at the end with the blender so you really don't need two bowls that's I mean that just makes you feel happy (laughs) it does well and in a real food kitchen I mean let's face it we have a lot of dishes right right and so anything that cuts down on that (laughs) exactly yeah exactly you've got a spatula a blender a cookie sheet and a scoop not much more no, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to totally give that a go. And I'm looking to here this warm green smoothie. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So that's one of the, are you looking at one of the bonus videos? I am, yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. So um, a couple years ago, we started realizing that traditional green smoothies with spinach were high in oxalates. And yes. that we should either be, you know, steaming our greens first before putting them in our smoothies or substituting in, um, we like to use like fresh basil or spirulina. Um, But for the times when we really want to get a healthy dose of spinach or kale, that there needed Mm -hmm. to be a way of doing that. And so I got into making the hot smoothies. Um, So they're really fun. They're absolutely delicious. And um, I can put gelatin into them. And so I get the added fat. You can put fat into them, like duck fat. You don't even know it's there. Um, The crazy thing about this recipe, and I'm sure I'll lose half half of the people listening, but you know, you, you can, you can make a smoothie with bone broth and not know there's bone broth in a smoothie. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, because if you're adding... It's like a little soup. Yeah, well, and it's sweet. I mean, if you add a little bit of honey and some cinnamon and some ginger, um, depending on if you want fruit in there, you've got Mm -hmm. a sweet smoothie. I mean, it it tastes nourishing and sweet. You don't know there's bone broth. Depending on how much salt is in the bone broth, you might, it might taste a little bit like an electrolyte beverage where you taste that little bit of salt. Right, little sweet and salty, yeah. Which is really nice and it tastes nourishing. Um, so yeah, I mean the recipe I have there in my bonus videos, you actually, there's three cups, big handfuls of, um, spinach in that. Um, and then I give the option, you don't have to use the bone broth, but that's certainly one option. There's gelatin in it, cinnamon, which is great for blood sugar levels. Um, so yeah, it ends up being high in protein. There's actually eggs in that smoothie. Wow. (laughs) So it's a whole meal, but it takes That is a whole meal. Yeah. And then I actually also like pouring that warm smoothie in a bowl. I pour it over, um, baked butternut squash oh yum so then you're basically having a bowl of porridge and you've got this bright orange and this bright green Um, amazing yeah it's so nutrient dense and it's exciting I mean more and more people are doing smoothies in a bowl because you can you know then garnish them with goji berries and all kinds of things so it's kind of in that spirit um for those of us that like a sweet treat that's not too sweet but that's really nutrient dense uh the warm green smoothie is a great option that is really cool. And I bet that's really fun for kids, too. It's something new and different. And Yes, yes. They don't know all that goodness is really in there. Right. <laughs> but their bodies can feel it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, winter squash for us around here, it's like pie. I mean, oh, you man. know, <laughs> it's indulgent. Nature has some lovely, lovely indulgent foods to offer, and winter squash is one of them. That is absolutely true. And, you know, it's it's exactly what we're talking about. When you go and you find these things at the farmer's market, you're discovering new foods. And as you change your diet, your taste buds really change, and these things become even more alive and vibrant. Yes, and, you know, that's a great point, too, that that change is a process. So I would say when we first started GAPS, you know, kabocha squashes are our favorite those were like pie to us but we were putting a lot Mm -hmm. of ghee on them and Mm -hmm. um honey quite a bit of honey and then there was a certain point in the process where we realized they were better without honey just with butter um Mm -hmm. or coconut oil and so you know it's a process and you have to give yourself a little grace i think while you you know subdue the sweet tooth um and and that's okay to to start with the kabocha squash or you know whatever you find at the farmer's market and Maybe put a little extra honey in the beginning or make sure to get really good quality sea salt if you're eating savory foods. Um, but have the, the extra butter. Put up, Do what you need to do to make it taste great. And then right. over time you can transition to pulling out the things that you realize you maybe don't need quite as much of like honey. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really great tip. 
I've noticed that for sure over the years, you know, I look back at even some of our early real food recipes, um, not standard American. I mean, some of those had like three cups of sugar and I now use like a quarter cup, Yes. Um, you know, soak it at. But um, it's really interesting to look back and see how tastes have changed over time. Yes. It is. We, our taste buds become numb and we need more sugar or, you know, the artificial flavorings in factory-made food. We, we want that because that's what our taste buds are used to. And we have right. to gradually wean into the other and it just happens over time. It's kind of like switching to drinking water instead of soda. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so used to that kind of overstimulating, amped up, you know, all that sugar, all the stuff in soda. And then going to water, it just seems like, well, that's nothing. So, you know, we often have people start with maybe sparkling water with some fruit juice or, yes. um, yeah, adding in the fresh citrus or, you know, anything like that to kind of work your way towards healthier choices. It is all about baby steps for sure. Yeah, and I think the examples you're giving are great. It makes me think of kombucha and how that Mm. has been a really important stepping stone for a lot of people, one that really never needs to be stepped away from either. But, yeah, there have been a lot of people in our cafe who – go straight from from soda to kombucha they can actually yes. it doesn't mean the very first sip of kombucha they have is instant love but they're like well i could do you know it has a little bit of Maybe a quality of beer and yeah yeah and little by little it wins them over and then if you go back and taste the soda after a while it's like what oh, a difference mm-hmm, you don't like it anymore how did i ever drink that exactly and mindlessly drink it, you know, you know, those huge big gulps and whatever, like just drinking, drinking, drinking. And throughout the day, I mean, it almost becomes like your water, even though, of course, it's dehydrating um, and just awful for us. It, people just become numb to that flavor. So, you know, kombucha is a really great sub because it is, you know, it's effervescent. It's really got a lot of flavor to it. It's very exciting. And, of course, it's amazing for us. Um Going to like a mango or a um, a passion fruit or some of the fruitier kombucha yes. to start. Yeah, yes. those are really good, easy. I agree. Easy. Yeah, I think like the mango and the raspberry are like the two most. Oh, and we mm. also have a pomegranate lemonade. Those three would Ooh. be the first three that people go for when they're just learning to like kombucha. And, you know, some people just stick with those forever because they're awesome. Um, right. But, yeah, they don't necessarily start with the ones that taste like apple cider vinegar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which are now my favorite. Right. I mean, my homemade was like, yep. Mainly good. You know, I'm like, this doesn't need anything. Yep. And I love the multi-green. You know, if I'm doing GTs, I love the multi-green. I love the ginger, just a real simple. But every once in a while, we'll want something, and it's almost like a treat. We'll do, you know, guava or nice. passion berry or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And then my kids have really gotten into um, having John because that's kind of the Gaps version of kombucha, yeah. the honey-sweetened one. Um, and so that's just a huge treat for them. Yes, exactly. So that's wonderful. And of course, like, what a nourishing treat. Right, exactly. It's like, you know, full of probiotics. Everybody's happy. (laughs) Exactly. Wonderful. Well, that is just so amazing. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I mean, to overcome all the stuff that you guys did, I saw on, I think it was on your website, so a doctor even told you, you might not have long to live. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like um, after my third child was born, I started having chest pains and um, went to a cardiologist after, you know, going to ER and all of that and being told I needed to. And she told me that I didn't have long to live. Oh, my God. So That's it, so scary. It was horrible. Yeah. With three kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent... Um, like literally four years in fear of dying, like just not knowing when, what day I was going to die. Oh my gosh. Um, and, and writing, um, in my kids' baby books, just like passionately writing to them, all of my loving thoughts. Um, and then I finally found a doctor who gave me back my life with, you know, just one or two sentences. He said, you are having basically esophageal pain. And I said, my esophagus, my esophagus is here. My heart is over here. He said, right. He said, no, this is your esophagus. And he taught me a really simple um, procedure, which is called deep belly breathing. Uh huh. And he said, whenever you feel the discomfort, I want you to do this. And I did it immediately. I had the chest pain while I was in his office. Uh-huh. I did it immediately. The pain went away immediately. I just wanted to jump out of my chair and attack what? him with hugs. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. He said some huge percentage of 
people who come to ER with heart pain are, are just actually having esophageal issues. Um, and, you know, I went to the leading heart specialist in Portland, and he was a lovely man, um, but he did not know that. <laughs> despite, right. despite my gut oh, issues, scary. you know, despite the fact that I was doing gaps already and that I knew I had all these gut issues, he had no idea of the correlation. And even though um, he wasn't sure about, you know, how, how in danger my life was like the first cardiologist, um, he couldn't give me any hope. And so, yeah, it was just this, you know, functional medical practitioner who said that's your esophagus. And then from that point on, I continued to make new strides um, with healing my gut. So I don't actually ever have that discomfort anymore. But to, it's amazing wow. it was something so little and that yeah. the cardiologist, you know, gave me such a bleak um, prognosis. That is so amazing. You know, I mean, that really, that just, exactly what so many people are experiencing these days is they go to different doctors and especially when when they do have something a little bit outside of the box you know um I mean it sounds like that's pretty common because he knew right away it was like a lot of people have this yeah but you know as people are searching like in my history I had a lot of fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and just major endocrine issues and migraines and you know I kept going to doctors and doctors I mean I probably went to hundreds of doctors um and it was ridiculous the amount of misinformation that was out there yeah exactly and you just don't know you just don't know exactly you have to keep questioning searching reading on your own I mean that's why I got into what I do I know that's why you got into what you do that's exactly right yep you find answers and it's worth continually sleuthing um and then you of course want to share what you learn with other people because you've been given back your whole life, you know, and you thought you were, you know, even if I hadn't died of heart disease, I was in really bad shape with my other autoimmune diseases. So, Mm -hmm. you know, despite that diagnosis in separate from that, I was very, very uncomfortable for a lot of other reasons. So yeah, you have to just keep searching. And um, I think the diet is what can actually give you hope. It's the foundation for any other supplements that we figure out. Um, And the fact that it can be delicious and amazing is just this inspiration along the the way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Icing on the grain-free cake. I mean, it is really important. And, you know, I do always try to give my clients, my readers, you know, um, hope that it it is possible. And the thing about diet is it is so accessible to everybody. I mean, everybody has control over what's going in their mouth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, it can be a little bit more work and can take a little bit of reading and and trying to understand what to eat, what to cut out. You know, there's definitely trial and error and that can be a little bit frustrating. But at the end of the day, like if you're walking towards health and you're making healthy choices, it's only going to benefit you. Yep, that's exactly right. And it might be slow. And so that's why to make it fun and delicious along the way. Because, yeah. you know, I think for me, when I first went on GAPS, there were some healing things that happened immediately. Like I had a rash on my face and I had arthritis. Both of those went away immediately, like within a week. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And the second time I went on GAPS intro, my interstitial cystitis healed immediately. Amazing. Yeah. And so you do get those days of trauma where you're like, oh, you know, this is incredible. This is working. Yeah. But then you have other times where you've been on the diet for a year and you've got some nagging symptom you can't quite figure out. And those are the times where it does require perseverance um, and where, you know, you want to be glad for the way you're eating and be enjoying it. Yeah, because, you know, when when you're in pain and all these symptoms have have stacked up, and certainly if you think you're not going to be able to live much longer, you know, you're willing to do sort of anything. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of slog through any diet or any change, you know, for a time. But, you know, as those things start going away and you start feeling better and time moves on and, you know, travel comes up or family events come up, it's really nice to be able to have something you can lean into and enjoy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can stick with it long enough to get to that point emotionally. Because I think in the beginning, yes. you know, so many people struggle with, you know, you can't you can't socialize in the same way. You can't go to a party and have the red wine you used to enjoy. And so, you know, a lot of people feel like they're outcasts just holding a wine glass full of water or whatever. Right. But to just persevere through that first stage and know that's going to be bumpy, but that it's worth it because what's the trade-off, you know, if you stick with the way you were doing things, you're only going to get sicker. Right. 
So to stick stick with it, and then it does. It gets easier. It gets better, and then so much easier. Yeah, and then you have the motivation to keep doing it. Well, and you find those things like okay, instead of that wine glass full of water, now you know about kombucha. Now yes. you know about kefir. Now you know about you know sparkling water with lemon. I mean, there's yes. so many options. Yeah, and we have people you know swing by our cafe on their way to a party to get a you know growler full of kombucha because now more than half their friends love kombucha and would just exactly have that at the party so right yeah so there are things like that that are really palatable that are catching on um that can become socially fun as well well and like you said a lot of things in the cookbook like that carrot cake people will take and it's like nobody knows that it's you know, made with healthy ingredients. I mean, because of course it tastes amazing. Right. It might actually taste better instead of right. leaving you wanting more because that frosting was so sugary. You're just right. like sitting with it and going, oh my gosh, that was so good. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And all the nuances of the flavor of the ingredients. And I mean, there's a lot more to be said for that than anything ever out of a box. Yes, that's so true. Yep. They'll never satisfy. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. And like you said, now half those people at the party want the kombucha. And, you know, when you change your diet and you change your lifestyle, it really radiates to people around you. And I know that when we started making the transition, at first people were kind of like, okay, yeah, that's not going to last or that's weird or whatever. Mm -hmm. When they started seeing the transition, I mean, I was practically bedridden at 25. So to be able to overcome things, you know, I mean, I had four typed pages of symptoms that I walked around with from doctor to doctor four pages wow so you know now I mean I maybe have uh two symptoms on occasion Mm -hmm. you know I mean it's like such a change so for people to see that and be inspired they go hey well if that helped her migraines maybe that would help my stress headaches and if that helped fibromyalgia then maybe that would help you know my occasional back pain so people really do start to gravitate towards what you're doing and what you're talking about and you can make a difference in their life too yeah it's true i mean inflammation is is at the root of so many sicknesses oh, yeah everything yeah <laughs> and cutting out sugar i mean that's the key so many people all they have to do is do that one thing and they're like oh yeah. my gosh i woke up this morning without any joint pain right who so, would have known mm-hmm. so having an alternative to the sugar you know learning to buy the local raw honey or using pure maple syrup or whatever, it's not that hard, actually, because those are more delicious anyways. Right. And it doesn't take as many, you know, as right. much. Right. Yeah. Yep, definitely. And definitely if people are dealing with, like, the candida overgrowth or parasites or anything like that, I mean, can make a massive difference right away. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And one thing we haven't talked about that was a big help to me is adding in a lot of fat and, you know, just yeah. having no guilt about that. Just knowing like, right. this is good for me. And then that right. helped me to get over my sugar addiction was just heaping on extra butter. My daughter's dairy free. So in her case, you know, using coconut oil or other like cocoa butter is really lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Just guilt free pleasure in lots of fat is Really just nice. really healthy fats. Yeah, those grass-fed butter, the coconut oil, you know, fat from pastured animals, lard, really, tallow, duck yep. fat, all of that from pastured animals, just so nutrient-dense. And, you know, so many of us were misled for so long about the health benefits and, and risks of fat. Yep, absolutely. You know, and it does. It absolutely helps. It helps people lose weight. It helps people overcome that sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it adds pleasure. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, it's a huge part of food. Right, I mean, right. Naturally, it exists. Right, you know? right. So, we don't want to yeah. take it out. Yeah, and when you think about that, you know, table filled with all those farmers market produce items, to think also about a big slab of grass-fed butter or, you yes. know, a plate of folded pieces of prosciutto or cheese or whatever, that, mm. that bounty has got to be there too. That balances Absolutely. out, you know, balances out and helps all the nutrients from the vegetables to assimilate better. Um, and just right. add to the pleasure. Right. them without that fat. Yep. Exactly. That's why we always put that, you know, really good fat-based dressing on the salad mm-hmm. because otherwise you're just, kind of wasting it (laughs) isn't that ironic that's such a good point I hadn't thought about that you know when you think about like the fat-free ranch dressing you know someone still wants the ranch their body's craving that 
And so they have this iceberg lettuce with fat-free ranch dressing all over Mm. it. And they're missing Mm. the point to think that they could have, you know, real cultured sour cream, um, you know, mixed with real fresh herbs. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) Olive oil, all that good stuff. I know what I'm making for lunch now. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is no substitute. And, you know, we talk again about people's perceptions and, and, you know, as we start changing our diet, I do remember when we started changing, um, over and not buying those things in the bottles anymore. Um, you know, people were kind of like trepidatious to come to our house for dinner because it was like, <laughs> what are they going to serve? Right. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, it's real food. It's not tofu. It's not cardboard. Like, right. it's real food. And, you know, then my house became the favorite place to come for dinner. Nice. You know, I would host Christmas and Thanksgiving because the food was insane. I'm already imagining your turkey and all the other lovely <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh sweet potatoes, you oh. know, mashed Real butter. I mean, some people have not had butter in a really, like real butter in a long, long time because they're still doing margarine. You know, those are really harmful fats instead of the really healthy stuff. Right. And even when they dip in, they feel guilty about it. And it's hard to convince them, no, really, this is good for you. It's good for you. All the doctors are, you know, reversing their stance on this. And if you've got one that's still talking about saturated fat is bad for you, really behind the time. Right, right not up with the research right so amazing fabulous well i know when we talk real food and nutrition all day long yes i know right but i've got to go make that delicious lunch <laughs> oh. oh gosh well thanks so much for sharing with us today again your website is just so inspiring eatbeautiful.net um, your cookbook is just so gorgeous. I mean, I am really, really happy to add that to my collection. And there's so many recipes in there. I can't wait to try in this new baking technique with the wet nut meal. Hello, life changing. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and uh, when people buy uh, your cookbook, they actually can get the bonus videos we were talking about. There's five. Correct? Right. Right. Yeah, I do recommend yeah. if you like ebooks I do recommend the e-cookbook because it comes with the five bonus videos and they are great they really are um I also include excuse me I also include one of the five is a custard and it's my favorite recipe in the whole world super versatile it can be even made into a cheese sauce um oh wow yeah so I definitely recommend the e-cookbook if you like that format because you get the five free bonus videos um so yeah a good I love option. E- you know, I didn't used to because I didn't really have a computer in the kitchen or whatever, but I absolutely love e-cookbooks or e-books at all because they're so portable, you know, and they're immediate. I don't have to wait for some shipment to get here, and it's certainly with traveling, very convenient. <laughs> right, and you still get all the photography, so you can be inspired right. by what the recipes look like when they're finished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the photography in your book is really amazing. Did you do that? I did some of it, and I actually hired some of it out. I have a few different photographers that contributed, but thank it's you. It's beautiful. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, really beautiful. Very inspiring, and again, it's so nice to see what it is going to look like, what the recipe is going to look like, because, you know, you just look at that cake. You look at those pancakes. I mean, those are moist, delicious recipe right. for sure. Yes, it does. It does really help to see them, and it makes you want to yeah. make it right now. It does. I know. I was looking through this going, uh, yeah, I'm going to be cooking all week. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Well, I'll make sure I put the link to that in our show notes. So listeners, make sure that you go to realfoodwholehealth.com and under podcasts, this episode, you will see the show notes with links to eatbeautiful.net and the Eat Beautiful cookbook. Megan, thanks so much again for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun, Amy. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us today. And please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.